0: Pastor Xavier Reese tells us, there are no sidelines in the Christian journey.
1: When a believer commits himself or herself to the work of God, there will be every form of attack upon their life. You just get serious about God and His work. The opposition will only fan the work if we understand the warfare. When we deal with it properly in our lives and in ministry, then it will fan the work of God. It will blossom.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Whether you're a top athlete, successful in business, or studying in a top-ranked university, you understand one thing. Nothing worthwhile comes by taking the easy way out. That's the same principle Pastor Xavier draws out of his current study in the book of Nehemiah. He brings us these simple truths in today's message, A Call to Warfare. Let's listen.
1: Now in our study of Nehemiah in the capacity of servant leadership, we have learned that a call to warfare has to do with our abiding, trusting and depending on God to finish the work he calls us to serve in. Nehemiah's call to warfare is marked by three things. First, opposition from without. But let me say up front that opposition from without is ever-present, but not ever-active. The opposition from without is ever-present, but not ever-active, okay? Now here in chapter 4, the opening 6 verses, the opposition from without first is seen in response to their commitment to build. It says, but... So it happened when Sambal had heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before the brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they complete in one day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. Notice the reaction of the enemy was mockery and sarcasm there at the end of 2 and 3. The response of Nehemiah was great. He prayed. Now he prays what's called an imprecatory prayer, which is not allowed in the New Testament. In other words, he's praying for God to have vengeance over them, okay? But we can and should come against people in the name of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we become doormats. We certainly are to be known by our love, and and certainly we we need to keep our heads and all that. But that doesn't mean that we can't confront opposition. Paul, being a good rabbi, he got around this. He says, Lord, reward them according to their deeds. It's in response to the work completed here that was being accomplished that the opposition from without also. Notice there in verse 7, the reaction of the enemy was to become very angry when they heard that the walls were being restored and the gaps were being closed together because walls speak of defense. They were vulnerable and they were seeing this progress. In verse 8, the method of the enemy was to conspire to attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. In verse 9, the response of the people was twofold. They prayed to their God, their God, personal relationship, and they set a watch against them day by night. Very practical, okay? Andrew Jackson used to tell his men, pray and keep your powder dry. I believe that philosophy. (laughs) In verse 13, they positioned armed men. In verse 14, they pointed their eyes back on God and each other. In verse 17, builders of the wall work with one hand. They held the sword and the other the trowel. In fact, Charles Spurgeon had a newsletter that went out, the sword and the trawl. He took it from Nehemiah. Sword in one hand, the trowel in the other one to work. Being very practical. And in 19 to 23, they had a strategy in case of the attack. The trumpet was sound, they would come together. Now look, in chapter 6, Notice in verse 1 and 2 the reaction of the enemy when they heard that the wall had been joined was to do Nehemiah harm. He's the leader. Look at verse 3. The response of Nehemiah was, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? You're not more important than the work. And it's recognizing the work of God. What God has called me to do. And then at the end of verse 9, the response of Nehemiah is to pray for personal strength as a leader. For he was the example to all who looked upon him. And so this is the opposition from without. It's ever present, regardless of the age of the church is living, the people of God. Next, we see the opposition from within. We go back to chapter 5, verse 1 through 19. This is the most destructive of the two. Opposition from within is the most dangerous and the most destructive because you don't expect it, and it shouldn't be there. It's like a marriage. There's dangers from without, but the most devastating from within when one of the mates betrays the other, okay? It's the same in church. So we're going to look first here at chapter 5, 1 through 19, then we're going to look at chapter 6, verse 10 through 14. Let's begin here, chapter 5, 1 through 5. Notice, first of all, the opposition from within is by the Exploitation of God's people from within. 5 1 through 5. And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We are sons and our daughters are many, therefore let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. And there were also those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children, and indeed we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them, for other men have our lands and vineyards. Their identity is Jewish brethren. It's from within, verse 1. Verse 2, their need of food. Verse 3, the mortgaging of their houses. Verse 4, the mortgaging of tax money. Verse 5, their present state of bondage. The borrower becomes the slave to the lender you're unable to set yourself free. This is what's happening to our nation as we mortgage our nation and our children away. You cannot spend your way out of debt. It's simple. But there's always greedy, deceiving people. Now look at verse 6 through 19. The opposition from within is by the condemnation of the oppression brought upon the people also. In verse 6, 19, it says, And I became very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. After serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, Each of you is exacting usury from his brother. So I called the great assembly again against them, and I said to them, According to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now, indeed, will you even sell your brethren? Or should they be sold to us? Then they were silenced and found nothing to say. Then I said, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? I also with my brethren and my servants am lending them money and grain. Please let us stop this usury, or in other words, this business of interest. Restore not to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, their houses also, a hundredth of the money and the grain and the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. So they said... We will restore it and will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and required an oath from them that they should do according to the promise, or this promise. Then I shook off the fold of my garments and said, So may God shake out each man from his house and from his property who does not perform this promise, even thus may he be shaken out and emptied. And all the assembly said, Amen.'" And they praised the Lord, then the people did according to the promise, moreover, from that time that I was appointed to be the governor of the land of Judah from the twelfth year until the thirteenth the thirty second year of king Arxerxes, twelve years, neither I nor my brethren ate the governor 's provisions, but the former governor who Were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides forty shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I also continued the work on the wall, and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work and at my table were one hundred and fifty Jews rulers, besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox, six choice sheep, also fowl and prepared for me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine, yet in spite of this I did not demand the governor's provisions, because the bondage was heavy on this people. Remember me, my God, for good according to all that I have done for this people. It's by condemnation of the oppression through, brought upon the people. This opposition from within. Notice in verse 6, the reaction of Nehemiah wants to be very angry with them because they're merchandising the people of God. He rebukes their usury of interest there in verse 7, which was against the law in Exodus 21, 2 through 11, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, many portions. He rebukes their sin of greed in verse 8. He rebukes their sin of not fearing God in verse 9. He rebukes their sin of not having compassion on the people in verse 10. And the restoration is to be and be the mark of repentance in verse 11. 1% per month, 12% per year. That's an incredible amount of interest. (laughs) Greed. Repentance is to be demonstrated in verse 12. And then notice the righteous warning there regarding their insincere repentance in verse 13. The physical demonstration is very graphic as he shakes the dust off his, his clothing. This is what's going to happen to the guy who doesn't do it. Nehemiah is a man of action. I like him righteous dealings with the people himself from 14 to 19. He wasn't a burden to the people. He didn't merchandise the people. He took nothing from the governors. He didn't put people, the Lord, over people. He was a faithful leader, servant leadership. Now notice thoroughly, opposition from within is by the infiltration of God's people from without. In chapter 6 now, verse 10 through 14, it says, afterwards I came to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, the son of Mahertabel, who was a secret informer, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God. Within the temple, let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they will come to kill you. And I said, should such a man as I flee, and who is there such as who would go into the temple to save his life, I will not go in. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all, but that he pronounced his prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. For this reason he was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way and sin, so that they might have cause for an evil report that they might reproach me. My God remember Tobiah and Sambalat. According to these their works, and the prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets, who would have made me afraid. Notice in verse 10 there, the enemy was Shemaiah, a secret informer from within. He had intermarried with the enemy. Ezra ten thirteen and Nehemiah 3, 4, 6, 18, and 13, 4 tell us that. So he became unequally yoked with the enemy. Verse 10 there at the end, the plan was settled to get Nehemiah to enter the temple to protect himself in sin. He's the leader. He's not a priest. What's he doing in the temple? (laughs) You see? So they try to set him up and notice to instill fear and cause him to sin, having an occasion for an evil reproach to reproach him in verse 13. And then in verse 11, 12 and 14, the response is great. Should such a man as I flee Called to serve, work in warfare? The answer is no. I can't. I can't do that. How am I going to flee? And verse 11 at the end, should I go into the temple, who am not a priest, and save my life? You have no business there. And when leaders get distracted or lured away or intimidated, they do dumb things. They have to keep their eyes on the Lord. He would have lost his life for sure. He would have discouraged others. Because again, he's the leader. Look at verse 12. He perceived that he was not sent by God. He knew God's written word. God's revealed word. This is contrary to what God had called him to do. Simple. He knew that Tobiah and Sambal had had hired him. And so in 14, Nehemiah prayed for strength and entrusted his enemy to God. Here it is again prayer. Nehemiah always takes every situation and listens to the Lord, but he's also very practical, as we've seen. You remember Ahithophel and Absalom in first and second Samuel. They were the enemy from within. He chased David out. They tried to kill him. Okay. This is the opposition from within. You have to be wise. Notice 30. Opposition fans the work. Chapter 6, verse 15 through 19. Verse 15 says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elo in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it, and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Also in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. For many in Judah were pledged to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shekinah, the son of Era, and his son Jehonanan had married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Barakiah. So they've interwoven between those who were the people of God and those who were not. They've got these connections, see. This is all the treachery. And also they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. Tobias sent letters to frighten me. Opposition, if a leader is wise and he understands it from without and from within, Only fans the work. Notice in verse 15, the work was finished despite the warfare. Mark it well. It had been 13 years since the rubble bell returned before any progress had taken place. Now it's finished, despite the opposition. The wall was finished 52 days. That's incredible. (laughs) Look at 16. The work was recognized to be of God through the warfare. All their enemies heard of it. All the nations around them saw these things. All were disheartened in their own eyes and all perceived the work was done by their God. Now, it doesn't say they, they said this, but they, they understood it. And when God is doing a work, people will recognize that. They may not like it. And notice 17 through 19, the work will continue to be opposed Always. It's just the way it is. We are bad news as people. (laughs) Remember, we still have sin nature. Look at 18. There are relative communications from those who stay and those who leave from the church in verse 18. They will slander, as I said. Gossip. Discourage the work at hand. They will attempt to draw them away from fellowship of the work. And those people become a problem wherever else they go. If anything ever happens where you go to church, whether it be here or anywhere else, make sure you clear it up before you leave. Make sure you leave in good standings. Make sure you have some integrity so that you honor God. And when you move on to the next church, you become an asset, not a liability. And you become a servant to build the kingdom and not to destroy it. Look at 19. They are constant informers to agitate from within by aiding the enemy from without. Opposition from without and from within is ever-present but not ever-active. The most dangerous of the two is from within due to an unguarded trust. You automatically trust those that are in, and that's the vulnerability. When a believer commits himself or herself to the work of God, there will be every form of attack upon their life. You just get serious about God and his work. If you think you've counter warfare, you get serious about God. <laughs> Paul told the Philippians of those preaching the gospel in hope of adding to his afflictions while others were being courageous to preach due to his imprisonment. But either way, Paul rejoiced that the gospel was preached. He didn't care. I love that. The principles for work in warfare are these. First, the people recognized it was a work of God, Nehemiah 2:18. You must recognize where God has you if it's a work of God or not. Okay? Not a work of man, a work of God. Secondly, the people worked and warred together, each doing their part, Chapter three of Nehemiah. Are you doing your part? Third. The people had a heart to work, Nehemiah 4, 6. A heart to work. That means I give my all. Fourthly, the people were encouraged at the halfway mark, which is the most discouraging many times, Nehemiah 4, 6, and 10. That halfway mark. When you're discouraged, exhausted. Fifth, the people prayed, watched, and warred. Nehemiah 4, 9 and 4, 16 through 23. The sword and the trawl. Pray and keep your powder dry. All the same. be very practical. Sixth, the people's eyes were taken off the difficulty and placed them on God. Nehemiah 4.10 and 4.14. You must have your eyes on God. You have to take them off the difficulty. Seventh, the people recognized it was a great work. Nehemiah 6.3. The church of Jesus Christ is the greatest place in the world. The greatest place in the world. To be with the people of God. To be praying for the people. See what God does in other people's lives. To be active reaching the lost and being in tune with the things that God is doing. Eight. The people are never to hide in the church. Nehemiah 6.11 This is not a fortress. You're only here to gas up. You got to go back out in the world. You understand? That's what the mission field is. It begins at the first step outside this building. Nine. The work of God will always be opposed. Attempting to put fear in our hearts. Nehemiah 6.19. Wow. What a great lessons Nehemiah has given to us, huh? Real practical. The opposition will only fan the work if we understand the warfare from without from within and we deal with it properly in our lives and in ministry then it will fan the work of God it will blossom by opposition from without opposition from within opposition fans the work God uses it for his glory and so as you serve the Lord as a servant under servant leadership keep these things in mind. There is no other type of leadership. Are you
0: ready for battle? Today's challenge from Pastor Xavier Reese from a study titled A Call to Warfare. And if you'd like to obtain a copy of this important message, we'd be happy to provide you with one upon request. We have them available on CD for only $4. And this will also include everything that Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is A Call to Warfare, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please don't forget to tell us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This is one way we can gauge the impact of this outreach. Next time, the importance of following the Word of God. Tell a friend and join us for the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com